This is the Rad Mars Podcast, episode 95. I'm Andy Mindler. And I'm Brendan Chombley. I'm Trevor Williams. And I'm Andrew Ford. Hello, y'all. Welcome, welcome. Yo. Hey, you know what? Fuck preambles. Let's go to the topic. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. it's never been done before. <laughs> what are we talking about today? This is up to you. You're the one rolling this. Oh, sure. I guess I can explain it. Throwing it at you. <laughs> is, it, is, this my, is this my topic? No. Nope. I... I <laughs> when we were talking about this, I helped develop an angle on this topic, but um, you know, we are we have been deep into a lot of different open world games recently, so we figured we'd keep talking about open world games. Pretty sure we've done some open world game stuff recently, but this is why we have different slices. Of life. What um yeah, yeah, you know, you can slice a topic anyway. And we never let repetition anyway. stop us as my uh, <laughs> hey check this out can attest to. Oh, is it? Okay, is it going to be Elden Ring again? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, open world games are a pretty a pretty favored genre for me. Like, I've still been playing the crap out of Genshin Impact. Uh, I really love exploring a world. I love not being led by the nose. Uh, you know, I get to kind of, like, choose what to do. There's, like, a wealth of things to do, which is one thing I really like about my open world games. Um, what open world games have you guys been playing recently? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Tell me more. Started playing that with Lincoln. I had some, like, well, my initial reaction was, damn, they did a great job making you feel like Spider-Man. Like, you really do <laughs> swing and navigate the city really well. Um, but the opening thing is, like, you do, like, a battle through, like, a Kingpin's Tower and stuff and put them away. And then it kind of like opens up into like, now it's an open world game. And they're like, here's a bunch of things on your map to do. And like every now and again, as you're like just kind of dicking around in the city, like story things will kind of pop up like a mission that'll be like, this is a story one. Go do it. Um, And after a little bit, I was like, this is really weird. (laughs) Like the story bits seem like disconnected from each other like they don't seem connected and like it's just kind of like here's a random story thing i know it's important but i can't i don't understand what's going on or why and they like it's seems so random is it kind of like uh, so then it's, it's like counter to the open worldness of the rest of the game um yes in a way it's it's weird because like the open world stuff like there's just like markers on the city where it's like you find backpacks and like I don't know what the other shit is because I only looked at the uh, like you can randomly just like beat up some guys or on like the top of a roof or something. Um, but then like this after the story missions, like it'll be like time has like moved forward. So then like after the story mission, it might be nighttime. And then after the next story mission, maybe it's daytime again. And it's like the next day or something. So does time only move forward when you do st- story missions? That's what it seems like. Yeah, that's an interesting um, choice. It is interesting, but it also seems like the like stuff in the open world, like, is not really that cool. Um, I mean, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about because I have seen open world games, and I think actually an old school version of Spider Man. I don't remember which one. It was like the first open world Spider Man game that came out. Like when we were in college, was that like the first one that ever did that where you could actually I like say it was like for Spider-Man 2 web? Yeah. And like you could like web sling through the city and it was yeah. in 3D and everything. What system is that for? I think it was a PS2 game. It was a PS something. Yeah, probably PS2. Yeah, I remember it being cool watching Spidey web sling around. I never played. it. I just watched like roommates and stuff play it. 
Yeah. But I do remember the sort of like randomly generated, you know, crime that you fought seemed really bland and generic. And like, this is a thing I see in a lot of open world games that I kind of have an issue with is like, you make this really big world and you have to fill out big world with content and the way, like the methods in which you do that can feel really shallow, even if they put a ton of effort into it just because it's so, so crazy big. Um, it, it, because it, it kind of means that, and like, in my opinion, I don't know, the, my preference towards open world games leans away from like randomly generated story, I guess. Right. Like that never like works very well. Uh, I just kind of like, while you were talking, like my brain was starting to like coalesce around like what I feel like is going on in that it feels like they have a story that they want to tell. Cause like the story bits are like really well put together and like engineered, but it seems like they, they want it to feel like a a Spider-Man movie or something, you know, where like you're living like Spider-Man. And so like, they're not going to just like put you into like one scenario after the next, they're, they they kind of like built like this world, so it's like, okay, the story happened. Now here's the open world and be Spider Man. But what does that mean? And they just kind of like we sprinkled some garbage around the city for you to just <laughs> randomly find, and that's literally like what it seems like. It's just like you found a backpack, and it's like, ah, oh, I found some glue. <laughs> fucking glue is really man. important to my backstory listen to this thing in the menu yeah and it's like or you can like go to a rooftop and it's like there's some like villains doing like just just fight waves of them and like you get a token they're trying to steal the roof and it's it's more of just like well you have about like 30 minutes before the next story mission comes so be spider-man for a little while and i'm like that's cool um i don't really need that <laughs> like <laughs> like the first couple times you're like that's really cool and like you can kind of progress it as you want like you can just like explore the entire like city i think like in between like the first mission and the next one um because you can kind of ignore it like you can progress it like it gives you a map marker and it's like go here and you know that's the next story mission um so it's it's interesting because it's like it's yeah like i i like i want this like i would rather have like a more linear like story um because it just feels like the city stuff is like it's really cool for about like 30 minutes and then i started getting like kind of annoyed by it because it was like the next story mission's way over there and they're like you gotta get there by being spider-man and essentially what I'm doing is like, I'm beelining it through the city by like swinging as fast as I can, just running over buildings and stuff, ignoring everything else. And it just takes you a long time to get there. Cause you're fucking Spider-Man and there's no like fast forward. And I'm like, you built like this entire city, but like after 30 minutes of like exploring it, I'm kind of like, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> I mean, isn't part of the issue. Like, I mean, a city is an interesting space kind of, but like, that could get pretty repetitive unless it has some really... It all kind of looks the same. Unless there's some really different cityscapes, right? Like you can have tall skyscrapers over here, maybe an industrial section over here, and maybe like a Even port then, like, or something. It, it all looks kind of the same. Like there was one... they Like after one story mission, like they transport you like all the way up to another section of like the city. And it's a, like an unexplored area. I had no idea. It all looked the same. <laughs> I, I only realized that when I looked at the map, I was like, oh, I'm... I'm not in the same place. I'm somewhere else. <laughs> so. so it sounds like the open world is really sort of losing you. And it's kind of the point where you're just playing through it. Like it's a linear game. Yes. That's like, I'm essentially what I want from it or how I want to engage with it is more of like a, like a linear experience. Um, because the open world stuff, um, feels so shallow. Yeah. That was, that was kind of what I was going to say too. I've been playing it a little bit. I've only played like the first couple hours of it. And yeah, I think just like you were saying, it's just like the open world stuff are just kind of shallow. There's just not that much stuff to do aside from collect backpacks and beat up criminals. Like that's really kind of it. I also think that like, I'm almost wondering how much of this is really can be considered an open world game. I suspect that the play area is probably not even close to the size of something like obviously Skyrim or Elden Ring or whatever. Um, Manhattan is probably not to scale. Also the biggest bummer when I played that was like, well, first it's kind of like a weird version of New York where 
<laughs> funnily enough for Brandon, Washington Heights just like does not exist. Like the top, those motherfuckers. I know, right? Like the upper Manhattan just like a blob of Harlem, and then it just like stops, and then there's like a giant like gulf between the, the Manhattan and the Bronx. It's like that doesn't look right. A giant gulf, like literally just like a big expansive ocean, like inwood sunk into the sea. I guess so. It's not like a, it's like it's like it just looks like a big like that whatever that river is is like four to eight times as big as this the Harlem River. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But the yeah, the biggest bummer was like I tried to cross like the Manhattan Bridge. It's like you are leaving the play area. And just, oh really? It just bounced me back into Manhattan. It's like fuck, mm. stupid game. I want to go to Brooklyn? <laughs> Does Spider-Man? So so I have sort of two major preferences for my open world games. First preference, uh, exploration is the primary motivator and mechanic, right? Like a game that has many different interesting places and things to look at, and every time you like turn over a stone or look over look at something interesting, you like are rewarded for it. You know, uh, Genshin Impact has like treasure chests and little puzzles and, and, and just scattered like throughout an entire, like any space that you go to that's new, you know that you can like let your ADD rat addled brain just go wild and just like follow whatever like little thing your instinct wants you to follow and like you'll find something cool to do, you know? I mean, it does have that, but it's like it's all markers on your map, you know, like you're uh. you're not going to find the shit. Unless like you're following that marker and using like the thing to like make a giant gluing beacon in the city because like it can be anywhere on a building like at the very top and like even then like it's hard to find shit. Um, but it's like the real motivator isn't like finding that stuff. It's either just being Spider-Man and just kind of like running around and being like, yay. And then you're like, oh, I guess I'm near something. Maybe I'll stop and pick it up. Um, or it's like you're specifically doing it because you need those tokens to like unlock a suit or like you need experience for, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure what the experience, like you, you have levels and stuff and you get skill bars and, or not skill bars, you get skill points cause you can upgrade stuff in a skill tree. So I think like that's a motivator, but then it becomes like, I'm doing all these things and it's like the not because like I want to, it's because I like have to, uh, and I would much rather that instead uh, they had doled out that skill point stuff linearly through a story rather than make me like fuck around in the city, kind of doing the same shit over and over and over again, kind of like yeah. grinding. You know what I just realized is part of my motivation for exploring and Genshin Impact is to get those sweet Primo gems, which is the currency you need to roll for gacha characters. It's it's cool, though, in the sense that literally everything you do in that game does reward you with the main currency you use to buy the gacha rolls. But, like, but is the stuff that you're doing fun? Yeah, I think it's fun, right? I'm still like... So like one major thing you do, uh, I mean, you, you get a, it's just like Breath of the Wild. You can, you know, like hang glide around. So you get somewhere high, you hang glide over the unexplored area of the map. And it's just like in Breath of the Wild as well, you know, like if there's something down there, it's kind of glowing in some way or another. So, you know, there's like something good. So like there's often like a locked treasure chest with like a glowing red ring around it. And you know that if you kill all the enemies around that treasure chest, like guarding it, you get the treasure chest, right? Mm -hmm. And the combat's also pretty fun. So, um... Right, I I drop down, I fight the enemies, and I get the treasure chests. Right, and now now I'm like on the ground, and now I basically, if I'm in a fresh area, I could look in pretty much any direction and find a new little interesting thing to do. You know, like uh, uh, there's this new area that just came out called the Chasm, and you set off these little chain reactions of like seismic waves, and if you set off the reaction correctly, it like breaks apart a rock wall, and there's a treasure chest behind it. You know, you usually reward with treasure chests when you come down and think about it. Everyone loves treasure chests, really. Yeah. yeah. They could contain anything, <laughs> including smaller treasure chests. Sometimes. It's interesting because, like, being Spider-Man is really fun. And, like, the combat is actually, like, really fun. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be really, really strategic. So I don't know, like, what, what like, is not working for me. And I, I'm not really sure what it is. Like, maybe it's that, like, the environment, like, I guess, like, running around a city isn't that exciting or interesting when it all looks the same and has like no real flavor or like like you know like traveling through the city like i i literally like i have i would have no idea where i am at any point without like the mini map and stuff and markers because everything just looks the same and like just generic 
Like it, it all just looks like generic city. Like right. if they didn't be like, this is New York, I would have no idea it's New York. Like it doesn't particularly look like New York. Like, and New York has like distinctive neighborhoods and it kind of in real life. And it kind of sounds like this game, they sort of erased those distinctive neighborhoods because you need tall skyscrapers everywhere. When in reality, like right to sling, sling around as Spider-Man, when in reality, the t- tall skyscrapers exist in two parts of the city. Uh, the financial district, the very south and midtown, where like the Empire State Building is. And even between those two areas is like a lot of expansive city that's only like a few stories high and you can't really web sling through them in real life, which is too bad. It's like, it's almost like being Spider-Man is a little bit counter to being a good open world game. I was going to say, if only Spider-Man lived in a bigger city, he could web sling everywhere in real life. A bigger city than New York? Like <laughs> <Yes>. Shanghai? <laughs> Something like that. Hong Kong, maybe? Yeah, I was going to say, I will, I will give them a little bit more credit than that. I think like I think if you do know New York, you probably will recognize a little more. And I think there is some height variance in the buildings, but I think there is, I think the average building is probably like twice as tall as it <laughs> okay. is. Or, like, the, the, the smallest buildings are probably twice as tall as they are. I recognized what something that looked like Stuyvesant Town, which is kind of a weird, oh, that's weird like yeah. a deep cut of New York. Yeah, there's like weird shaped apartment buildings in the lower east side or wherever that is. So it's got, it's got some nice stuff, to be fair. Fair enough. Uh, like maybe that's a problem that like, because I, I I've never lived in New York. Like <laughs> when I say like it looks generic city, uh, I wonder if movies have just like fucked me up for like recognizing New York. Oh well, like, yeah, every York every movie because, is filmed in New York or L.A. So. Right? Yeah. So like. <laughs> In my brain, I'm just like, I don't know. This looks like everywhere, but everywhere doesn't just look like that. It fucking looks like New York. <laughs> but then again, if it were set in San Francisco, I'd be like, oh, this looks familiar because San Francisco is very, like, has unique features to it. You know, uh, I don't know, man. Wasn't one of the, there's wasn't there a bit in one of the Spider-Man movies recently? Not like the Tom Holland ones, but like before that, that was shot in Rochester as like a stand-in for New York. Rochester. I'm pretty really? sure one of the one of the Andrew Garfield ones had a bit shot in Rochester. Shot in Rochester? I think so. That's bewildering. I, I know that Toronto is a common place to film quote unquote New York scenes. Yep. Never heard of Rochester. That Vancouver is like filled like everywhere. Rochester has like four buildings. How you'd have to look you'd have to like like have different angles on the same four buildings to give the impression of a of a city with tall buildings. Maybe they just set up really big mirrors, you know. <laughs> and CGI, of course. I could see. So I we we just watched the Andrew Garfield ones, and Lincoln watched the second one multiple times. So in this, I've watched the second one multiple times. I can't picture much of that, like having Rochester. The first mm. one I could see, like Rochester being used in a bunch of areas. That would be fucking. That's crazy if that's true. It probably was the Amazing Spider-Man two, so the second Andrew Garfield one. Really? What it was? Where the yep. fuck? Did that? I've seen the I, movie it may a have bunch only of times. been a little bit. I don't know if it was that yeah. much of the movie. It could have. It could have very easily been like a scene in front of a building with no skyline, you know, because right, yeah. for some reason, some like scout was like this fucking storefront right here is perfect for the scene. Now we're going to bring everyone to Rochester, New York to film this one scene. What a pain. That's what happened. And they're going to give us tons of money because they never shoot anything in much. They're desperate. <laughs> right. For, yeah. For the attention. Yeah. Do they still use Kodak film in Hollywood at least? No, I've seen, I've, nah. seen, well, I've seen Kodak credited on a fair number of stuff. There we go. I think Kodak, Kodak as a company doesn't exist anymore. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they got split up. So maybe, maybe it does due to like licensing and bullshit. This is this is some Rochester insider shit, but dear yeah. listener, uh Kodak was or is headquartered in Rochester, New York. Uh ah. that city that city was propped up by two doomed companies, uh Xerox and Kodak Kodak. And <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why it had some uh, rough times uh in the late nineties and early two thousands. <laughs> Slash still ongoing rough times. Is that maybe still going on? I don't know. I thought it was going on a Renaissance, but I don't live there. <laughs> Uh, what other <laughs> open world games? <laughs> what other open world games that people played? Where uh, I don't know. Like, have we defined an open world game at some point? I guess not. Because, like, I feel like that's kind of important. Because, uh, like, I'm thinking back. It's like, oh yeah, you go around, you explore a lot of things, you get these sort of you know pickups and whatnot. But when I think open world, the first thing that comes to mind is like Skyrim. That's what my brain always jumps to is like, 
when like it's like that's what kind of defined open world for me because like there was like i played oblivion and um morrowind i didn't play morrowind um Mm. so that's why like it doesn't but like for some reason skyrim more than oblivion like really comes to mind as like screams like open world um I don't know about you guys. I mean, I would say it's a game where you have a lot of choice in what you want to do. That's that's like a really big thing. And it usually means you have a large map that you can explore and traverse sort of at your leisure. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, not all open world games ha- do have a like storyline, like a main quest line, quote unquote, for you to follow kind of optionally, like again, at your leisure. Often lots of side quests. Uh, often, yeah, lots of secrets to discover, right, and like things to like reward your exploration. And of course, you know, like like many genres, like it kind of it kind of follows that genre if it takes a good chunk of those attributes, but maybe not necessarily all those attributes. But we still feel like it's part of it. You know, like um, Minecraft would that that would be considered an open world game, right? I but think like, so. It has no main plot line, right? It has no um, quests or really anything like that, but. It does have a way to beat the game, but uh... I suppose, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would consider it an open world game. Um, okay. I mean, like, I think, like, if you were, like, getting, like, pedantic about it, you could be like, yes, it is. But I don't think, like, when people are, like, in terms of, like, sacred discussion, like, talking about open world games, I don't think Minecraft mm. is what people are talking about. Would you differentiate sandbox and open world then? Like, maybe that's the difference? Yeah, I think so. Like, Minecraft is just kind of like a whole separate like thing, whereas open world I feel like is more like I would say like um, the division is open world. Like you just have a big map that you just kind of go through and you just do things in at your like there is like a story that like, you know, you can do. But um, I'm on the fence about the division, but maybe that's just because I felt like a lot of the open world content wasn't worth doing because I'd never really found the crafting system very engaging. I basically just did a beeline through the plot the way we were going through Spider-Man. It's really, it's super open world. Like, okay. Um, Cause you can do missions like in a group and stuff and you can do them at any time or once you unlock them, like you can do them at any time, like any order kind of thing. Um, and like that's kind of say like uh like the assassin's creed games are or at least many of the newer ones i don't know if it originally was open world but like i think so yeah you can just kind of explore yeah a whole shitload of the map like early on and just find stuff and there's a story and shit (laughs) but the stuff has to be interesting to find which isn't always the case Yeah, Yeah. and I guess as we're talking about it, one of the things I'm thinking about in terms of sandbox versus open world, like open world games tend not to be randomly generated, like in terms of the Mm. map and whatnot. Yes, Uh, I think that's why like Minecraft, I think that's that was something my brain was like hmm. poking at. This might put a little bit of a damper on where I wanted the topic to go next. Because oh. now we're now maybe we're we're defining things a little differently. But remember when I said I, there were two things I really liked about my open world games? Uh-huh. One was a heavy emphasis on exploration, so yeah, Genshin Impact or Breath of the Wild. Second would be it uh, contains a lot of emergent gameplay. That's what I wanted. The emergence is one of my favorite sort of aspects of games and game design, and it doesn't really like exist strongly in all games. It, I think it exists in a f- some extent to, in many games, but. Um, if you got like this open, if you have an open world and some elements of it are randomly generated and then they can combine and interact with each other in kind of interesting, unexpected ways, that I think makes an open world game very rewarding. And mm-hmm. that's kind of where I was trying to go with Minecraft, right? Minecraft has, is kind of defined in a lot of ways by its emergent gameplay, um, or even just like emergent sort of interactions of its, of its randomly generated world. There's an interesting thing. Like when you say like emergent gameplay, like when we were first kicking around this topic, like I had some like difficulty kind of like wrapping my brain around, like what you wanted to like get at with that, because mm. there's kind of like, there's something that people refer to as like systemic game design, uh, where you build like a bunch of like systems into the game, such as like breath of the wild that has like, like a physics system plus a like... physics system, like the way that like, 
Um, like the different cool powers that you dropping have. Dropping and like picking up and dropping like weapons and stuff like that. And how like enemies can also pick up and interact with weapons. And you can also and like dropping stuff and like, you know, the way the bombs work or something, you know, like explosions and shit like affecting everything, not just like enemies or whatever like an explosion affects the environment characters and you and so like that's kind of like a system um so that's like that causes a lot of like emergent shit to happen um because it's a when you have a lot of uh different systems all working together and intermingling you get unexpected results um and a lot of times like you get what i would call like emergent gameplay because people can get creative with how they do things. But I think like how you were defining emergent was not quite that. I don't know. I mean, it's, I think I pretty much agree with what you're saying is, is when stuff like, like the various systems or the various features that have been built into the game combine in unexpected ways. Yeah. Um, or at least combine in ways that were not um, directly created by the developer, you know, like, yeah. Like it's one thing to say like uh, I I choose a fire to go here versus oh well this this thing has the property of dry and this thing has the property of you know spark or whatever and causes a fire to happen right yeah and then and all those little cool interesting interactions can be part of it um, you know really great examples of it would be like dwarf fortress mm. or scribble knots if you guys have actually like scribble knots has really mm -hmm. interesting stuff like that um, to some extent Minecraft although in sort of different ways. You could even say like, um, you guys are familiar with the game of Go? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, Go is the very classic Chinese-Japanese game where you take turns putting down a black or a white stone on a grid. And um, it is, it's got pretty, pretty simple rules. It's like you take turns putting one stone down. Uh, if your stones get completely surrounded, like if a group of your stones or even a stone gets completely surrounded by the enemy... Uh, they get taken away. That's basically the whole rule of the game. <laughs> mm -hmm. And yet it it creates this incredible wealth of strategy and sort of like tactical, um, you know, territory, like force projection, you know, and uh, really good go players don't actually like sit there and like surround each other's structures. They like, will put like a, like a little, like a, like a rock, like way over here. And then the other guy will put a rock like way over here. They're like, you know, many 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 spaces away but then the next guy will go uh, then you know, the first guy will go uh in some other corner and like you uh, very slowly you'll see this shape start to take place and it's because of these sort of emergent properties of several very simple rules creating this like huge amount of strategy chess is like it too honestly you know there are some emergent properties of chess mm -hmm. like the fact that controlling the middle of the board is so super important um that wasn't built like intentionally into the rules of chess. Mm -hmm. It just sort of happened that way because it was an emergent property of the shape of the board, the fact that it has borders, the fact that the pieces can often move through the center of the board from far away. You know, those are all the things that make the center of the chessboard so important to control. So I guess mm -hmm. what we're talking about here is something which is a little bit broader than the sort of like uh, emergent gameplay that sort of Andy was talking about earlier and just sort of like emergent properties of the game itself based on the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very interesting area to explore as well. And I think that's kind of what I was talking about. Like that, that's a pretty big distinction than what I was talking about, where like you have systems kind of like designed and built into a game. And you're talking about like very like amorphous, like almost like uh, emergent, like uh, things that the player like ends up like thinking about, like or strategies almost. I think it can be. I think that's one of the interesting, I mean, when you apply this idea to open world and the fact that open world games can be kind of like a variety of genres in a way, right? They don't always have yeah. to be like action games. Um, so if you can create an open world system that that has that flexibility and has that kind of interesting set of rules, you know, you can kind of go as sort of weirdly specific as I was saying with like board games or as kind of out like uh, you know kind of just out there and generic and not not generic um you know tag based is like a thing i keep thinking of you know like fire plus you know x plus y equals z like emergence mm -hmm. um it's like all kind of ripe there in in open world games and if if you if you giving player a ton of agency which is what open world games kind of inherently do 
there needs to be like a reason to have agency, you know, to have like a lot of interesting things to do and to try and to play with, I would say. That's why I think, that's why I really like Emergence in my open world game, you know? So do you have like an example, like um, you said, like there were two important things that you look for in an open world game. Yep. For Exploration and Emergence. Yeah. Right. So like what game, what open world games do you think like really shows Emergence? I mean, I think we talked about already, which was, I think Breath of the Wild's a great example of both. Yeah. It really, it, it's got the exploration factor of finding all those cool little secrets, you know, finding ways to make your character stronger to prepare for the fight with Ganondorf. And then, yeah, the emergence of those cool interacting physics and magic powers that you have, um, allowing you to tackle, you know, combat situations in many different ways. Yep. Um, right. Like I could, if I've got like a, a camp of goblins or whatever they're called, you know, I could pick up that big giant metal thing with my magnet power and just drop it on their head. Or I could just run in there with my sword. Or I could, you know, use bombs. Or I could do some combination of all the things. I could figure out a way to get that exploding barrel to blow them up. Shoot a fire arrow at, like, their barrel full of bombs. Yes. <laughs> so there's lots of different interesting ways to solve problems using the game systems in Breath of the Wild. Are there any other games? Because, like, I feel like Breath of the Wild is, like... We talk about it too much. This is the Breath of the Wild podcast. Well, I mean, like, and the horses, and there's horses in Breath of the Wild. How can we haven't covered this? That's true. <laughs> I, I feel like that's an important aspect of all sort of open world games. They have to have a horse in them. You have to be able to ride a horse. Weirdly true. <laughs> Except for Spider Man. Does Fallout Four have a horse? I don't know. Good question. I haven't played Fallout Four. You haven't played Fallout Four? No, I've not. Did you play Fallout Three? I haven't really played the Fallout series. Except for that weird mobile game that came out some time well, ago. Both I played Fallout 1 and 2. World. Fallout 3 and 4 open world games. <laughs> Great. I don't think there's horses. <laughs> but I could be wrong. Well, what's the point? Well, in that case, they're not really you no know, open world games now, are they? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think like either of those are very sis- like systemic. I feel like maybe it's like... Um, like, what are those Bethesda games? Bethesda feels like they have a very specific vision of open world. Yeah. Environmental storytelling. <laughs> yeah. It's a skeleton on the toilet. Oh my god. So <laughs> <laughs> the the thing I was thinking about with Bethesda games is like their emergence is actually more in the funny realm of like glitches and speedruns. Yes, that's true. Because not necessarily in real their games. <laughs> Bethesda's games are like janky as fuck. It's like well known that they're gonna come out like half baked. Yeah, I think my my two favorite things are like from Morrowind. I think one of the I don't know if it's still the dominant strategy, but like one of the dominant strategies for like a speed run was you can make a potion that makes yourself smarter, and when you're smarter, you get better at making potions. And then you can make a potion that makes yourself <gasps> even smarter. It's the singularity. Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. you just make yourself so smart that you can make a super potion that makes you super strong. You can just go to the end of the game and just kick the shit out of the last boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. That sounds like a really interesting D&D plot line to me now, all of a sudden. The wizard <laughs> singularity. Hmm. There's a lot of weird shit with, like, Marlin. I remember, like, it's, like, super busted. Like, can't you, like, jump a bunch and make yourself able to like jump like the entire map or something. It just takes a long time. When I was playing the game, I made a ring that would very briefly uh, give you like the ability to jump really high and have like really, really, I think it was basically just sort of increasing your jump ability. And then I had a separate wing, which basically made you weightless. And so you'd, oh yeah, the first ring also made you run really fast. So basically, it would be like taking off with an aircraft. It was an enchantment that lasted like a tenth of a second. You'd run forward, you'd jump up, and then you'd have to put on the other ring really quickly, and then you basically glide from point A to point B anywhere on the map. It was great. That's emergent as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that was real good. You said that was Morrowind? Morrowind, yeah. Yeah, man, that was an amazing game. You could do some kooky shit. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they almost, they almost like tempt you into doing that kind of stuff. At least the specific jumping weird things, because one of the first random, not only random encounters, but the thing you will kind of, you kind of randomly encounter that is the fixed thing in the world is you kind of like walk out of the first town a certain way and like a wizard falls out of the sky and dies because he had like a weird like flying enchantment that failed. And you can just like find on his dead body, there's like the spell or the scroll that he used to, to inadvertently kill himself with. 
<laughs> and it's just like a thing that most people will find just walking down the road. What a weird thing to just like put in your game. <laughs> That's a weird game. It also very looked good. very weird. Some really creepy, uncanny valley elves yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Some weird artwork. I feel like Skyrim didn't have, like, somehow lost some of that, like, weird magic. Yeah. Because, you know? like, Oblivion did kind of, like, a, a pretty hard turn into sort of, like, I mean, this is, again, kind of just from looking from afar, more like a like a theme parky design of a world, right? It was kind of a lot more, I don't know, it was kind of a lot more streamlined gamey than it was, like, an immersive experience like Morrowind was. Just from my impressions, you could totally disagree with me. And I think Oblivion was kind of like a a marriage of those two, right? Yeah, to me, Oblivion felt like it was a big open world, but it was very samey. Like, mm-hmm. oh, there's like an elven and olden elden dungeon full of traps. Elven, olden, elden dungeon? Yes. <laughs> With the elden ring <laughs> at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. And you had you had that and then you had like the weird hellscape Oblivion gates, which are kind of cool, but they're all kind of the same. Yeah, so, every one of them was the same. It was just a randomly generated event again, right? Yep. Yeah. Those randomly generated events don't they always feel like it, they always make me feel like I'm in a game and not like in a mm. immersive r- world, you know? Yeah. Skyrim felt like really open and empty to me. Skyrim did. Okay. I again, didn't play tons of Skyrim, so I can't attest. Mm. I really need to catch up on these games. Like I've had, I've owned Skyrim for so many years and I've never. How many platforms do you own it on? I don't know. Like, (laughs) I'm, I'd imagine I probably owned it on at least two digital platforms, like for PC, but I don't think I own it for any other consoles or the like. I don't know what I played Skyrim on. You can Game play Boy? it on basically everything now. I you know. You can play it on your toaster. That's why I'm trying to be like, what did I, what did I originally play it on? Might have been PC. I know. I own it on, I own it on Steam, I believe. Someday maybe I'll play it through. <laughs> eh. Eh. <laughs> If you do, there's probably a bunch of mods that you should use that'll like make it better. Yeah, like everything is Thomas the Train Engine. Yes. Yeah, that one's a good one. Yeah, yeah. That's open yeah. world. Getting into modding, that makes open world the next level. I can choose I can choose <laughs> what my open world contains. <laughs> <laughs> Too much immersions. <laughs> Mods, mods are the peak of emergence because it's truly the player just going buck wild. It really is. I think what you really need is some sort of program to randomize all of the mods installed every time you start a new game Ooh. or every time you load a game. It would, it would totally break the game in unpleasant and yeah. uncomfortable ways like and probably just cause the entire thing to crap out as soon as you started it. It's a great idea. Yeah, what if I what if I what if I use the the Thomas the Train Engine mod and the True Nude mod. There you go. Oh, no. <laughs> Not Nude Thomas the Tank Engine. Yep. Nobody wants that. No, actually, I take it back. Somebody wants that, I'm sure. Yeah, the, that, that definitely appeals to somebody somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that, that one 100% does. So did, you, did you guys play Witcher 3? Yes. No. You didn't play? What the fuck I'm have terrible. you played? Listen, I've been playing like the same... Three or four games for the last like five years. Get 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 off my back. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be our like real game designer on the team. I know, right? Yeah, I've been playing so much Eve Online, Hearthstone. What the hell else? Pokemon Go. Like, there's just a few things that I just kept coming back to. Are you still playing Hearthstone right now? You know, I've been out of it for a while, but uh, the new expansion was dropping today, so I was like, "Ooh, I'm just a few levels from the free legendary." So I like cranked that out and spent like I made up way too late last night <laughs> cranking out the points I needed to get that and then the new expansion oh. came out today Gosh. maybe I'll maybe I'll get back into it with the new expansion hmm. I wonder what, if there are an open world so just to keep this all all tied in a nice nice little package uh card games are a really great example of emergence mm. right the, the different interactions that's like why you play a, car, like a collectible card game yeah. is that you get a cool emergence between all the different things um it's kind of like a big inspiration, honestly, of why I, I got started really getting into emergence and I always wanted to make my own emergent gameplay system. I feel um, like that's also why it gets so incredibly challenging to make a balanced game that has like interesting effects between cards like oh, Hearthstone yeah. or Magic the Gathering or whatnot. 
because like the more effects that you add, like the more possibility there are for completely degenerate combinations that you never even thought of to begin with. And then as the developer, you have to be like, well, how do we, like, if we don't want that degenerate combination, do we allow it because we want our game to emergent or do we actually like put our thumb on the scale against certain emergences? Like Hearthstone, you, Fuck it. Hearthstone used to have Fuck a- balance. <laughs> Uh, do you remember this, Trevor? Hearthstone had a thing where uh, certain 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 characters would have a thing called life steal, right? Mm-hmm. So when it does damage, it gives health to your your hero. And then uh, you might have to help me remember how this works, but there was a thing where you could make basically accidentally make an infinite loop of doing damage to something. Mm. I think to your own. I think you do the damage to your own hero with a thing with life steal. Yeah, and then it created an infinite feedback loop. Ah, uh, I could see that. Yeah, or it was like some 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 feedback loop of like whenever it healed, it did damage somewhere else, or it was something crazy like that. They had to completely like throw that out and make it so it wouldn't work <laughs> like that anymore. Uh, why did Why did you bring up card game? Do you want to make an open world card game? <laughs> it was kind of not open honestly, world. but still, I do have an idea for an uh, like a an RPG game. That it could be open world, it could not be. I mean, I guess it'd be similar with like it would have a quest line and place to explore, but probably more of a traditional like JRPG style. But where you were collecting, um, I, I, I consider them runes, and each rune has some sort of little effect or whatever on them, and you combine the runes to make a spell. So you have like a collection of them, almost like a collectible card game. And in battle, you would have like like you know a handful of runes pops up, and you combine them to make this this cast a spell at the enemy. And then, like you can explore the environment and find runes, and find chests. new runes and and new yeah and new combinations and new types of runes to to experiment with. Would you call it RuneScape? Mm, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> that's not how that's not how RuneScape works. Work, RuneScape works exactly right. I have no idea. I've never played it. <laughs> I, I'm having this faint recollection to a board game that I never played, but I saw someone play once. <laughs> You know, this is a great start, I realize. Um, I'm having but, a recollection to a thing I never played. <laughs> it was a dream I had. What's this fake thing that I once imagined? So anyway, um, it was a game where you made cards. Like there were like, the card itself had like, um, you know, it was basically just a sleeve. And then you'd put like, sheets behind it and there were like three different sheets or something and then together they would make a card that had some sort of effect um okay i'm taking it nobody else has actually encountered this okay i thought it was potentially an interesting idea because it's basically not only like do the cards interact with each other in weird ways but you actually are designing the cards themselves Mm. um which could definitely give rise to really sort of you know degenerate combinations or things that are interesting but but I assume you have to be lucky enough to get that combination in, because in, I'm, yes. I'm assuming collecting the pieces of cards is part of the game too, right? Yes, yeah, I think yeah. so. From what I could tell, from my recollection of this fever dream I had. <laughs> Very accurate memory. <laughs> have you guys played, specifically, Brandon, have you played Slay the Spire? Yeah, yeah, Slay the Spire is great. As if I've never played it, but I know a lot of people who do, and my sister plays it nonstop. And I'm like, is, is that an open world? I don't know anything about it. Like, no, I know no, it's a card no. game, right? Yeah, it's a it's a roguelite card game. Ah, it's a deck builder. So you, it does have emergence, but you also have to kind of have the luck of the draw because you, you start with a basic deck based on the class, and then as you go through, like the encounters, you you choose or not choose not to add cards to your deck, and mm. so you, you have to adapt to like what the situation and what you're being offered. It's a very cool game. Uh, there's a lot of skill in 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 that. Yeah, uh, it's, it's reminiscent of Hearthstone's. Uh, What's the dungeon crawl mode? Is that what it's called? Forget. I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very good game. I, I'm pretty sure I've recommended it. And hey, check this out at least once, maybe twice. I do play indie gems like that a lot. <laughs> are any like the Far Cry games, like the newer ones, are those open world? I haven't played one recently, and I can't remember if they were open world or not. I mean, that's... Ubisoft game. I just assumed it was open world. I by want now. to say yes, but I've never played. I don't think I've played any yeah. of them. I'm trying to think of like open world games. So there's The Witcher, there's Assassin's Creed, uh, Red Dead Redemption, right? Oh, yeah. I never played that. Is that system like systemic? Like, is there a lot of stuff going on? Can you light fires and watch it burn down a forest? I don't know. I haven't played them. 
Jesus it Christ. It definitely has a horse. It does, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely horse-based. And there's definitely a sort of emergence in terms of things that the, you know, interesting things in the game you can do uh, that the designers did not intend. Like, you can throw a piece of dynamite into a sort of, like, store and then go in and have a cutscene that starts and then the shopkeeper blows up <laughs> mid-sentence. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of fuckery with cutscenes. The emergent yes. thing that I saw recently was some epic scene of everyone riding their horses through, like, a path, like, a forested path on the snow. But just before the cutscene starts, he dismounts his horse. So now it's a cutscene of, like, three dudes epically going through the woods in the snow and then one dude trailing behind them on his feet, just, like, running as fast as he can through the snow. <laughs> And it like it's got like six different cuts of this. It's like going around the bend, and here's like horse, 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 and then do chunk, 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 chunk. <laughs> Emergence with cutscenes. How foolery! I don't know. Did I answer your question from a while back though? Did I give you the, the examples that you wanted to hear? No, no. <laughs> you, you haven't played any. You haven't played any games. <laughs> Listen, open world games are very time consuming. You can only fit a few of them into your life at a time. You haven't even tried. <laughs> <laughs> you played Breath of the Wild, we're like, I did it. I played all I the open world games. I open world. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, and you have Genshin Impact, which yeah, there you go. It's a, it's, it's a Breath of the Wild. Like it started off as a Breath of the Wild clone, so not really good. Not really much to say there. Is the combat in that game like? For some reason, I always thought it was turn-based, and I don't, maybe no. I just had a stroke at some point. No, it's like real-time, like action RPG combat, uh, where you have you only got one character out at a time, but you can rapidly switch between your party of four. So you like pop a character out, use their ability. It might do something to the field, or it might do something to like buff you or your party, and then you can swap to like the next character, and like that buff will retain. So like, wow. I have like, a, I don't know. That's just how it works. I don't know. That it's, sounds really stupid. It's kind of like Just have one character. Uh, well, there's only a few buttons, right? So like, I have each character has like right a basic attack, a like elemental skill, and then like an elemental burst, which is sort of like a like the elemental skills on cooldown. The elemental burst has to be charged up, so like it's like a, it's like a powerful move. So that means that like on my touch screen, I have access to essentially uh, eight different special abilities between four characters. So that'd be a lot of buttons. So rather than that, you switch from character to character to use those abilities. What do you mean? Just do it the exact same way that it's working, but just don't change the character. But Andy, more importantly, you need to have all sorts of waifus and husbandos that you can roll for in the gotcha. <laughs> it is, it's their is. entire business model. Yeah, I guess. Their entire Sorry. business model is the gotcha thing. Sorry, That's I true. forgot. <laughs> that layer of stupid. <laughs> the game was a free-to-play game. Yeah, okay. I've been playing. I've been playing Genshin pretty much free to play. I paid ten bucks on it once. What did you get for your ten bucks? Uh, I got the like battle pass. Remember we talked about battle passes a while back. Uh, so I got the enhanced battle pass because I it was the first time I'd ever actually completed the entire battle pass within the period, and so you get a like you get a good chunk of rewards for it. You know, like lots of ways to advance your characters and get get new husbandos and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And like I've put so many hours in the game, I should support it a little bit, right? So like uh, when you when you like attack, like it, it, you said, it's RPG. So it's like it's not like Legend of Zelda, where well, I guess Legend of Zelda does kind of have dam damage numbers and so yeah. Regard, but Genshin, you do have levels and stats. So like you you know you press the button to swipe your sword, and you have to hit them. Like you have to like make that the the hit boxes yeah. touch, but then then it does calculations of like, is it a critical hit? How many? What's the strength? What's the attack? And what's the hit points? Are there there? areas that are like out of your level? Like you have to like level up to get there. No, it's like it's like a scaling game. Oh, so the entire world scales with you? Basically, yeah. At the beginning, there it feels that's that way. That's absolute garbage. <laughs> that's what Skyrim. That's what Skyrim did, and no one liked it. No. Yeah. Everyone said this is wrong. So yeah, you always come across things that are. Bad. a little more powerful or a little weaker but it's basically based on the enemy you encounter or the combination of enemies you encounter rather than like their level you know mm. there's like uh this whole like spy organization called the fatui like anytime you encounter a party of fatui they're kind of like almost like a party of enemy characters so like they're like beefy they've got like elemental abilities and they're 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 annoying mm. at some point though you just start melting everything in this game like once oh, you really? really once you really beef up your party yeah and then, and then the um, then there's this like, uh, what's it called? The spiral abyss. It's kind of like a, 
you know, like, you know, you just like, like a, like a, a gauntlet of rooms in a row kind of gameplay style mm-hmm. with like, you know, usually there's some sort of like weird effects. That's like sort of the end game. Once your party is really powerful, that's like the only thing that challenges you. But how big is the world? It's fucking huge, man. Oh my God. It's huge. It's bigger than, I'm pretty sure it's bigger than Breath of the Wild. Like, and they keep adding to it. So like, oh. um, that's what it's like a live game. And so like, they're always adding new areas to explore every few months. Like, um, the first, the first part of the game was called Mondstadt, and I would say it plus the next area, Liyue. So Mondstadt's kind of like a European fantasy. Liyue is kind of like China slash like a Hong Kong fantasy world. And they're like kind of together on the same continent. I would say probably that is roughly the size of Breath of the Wild, maybe a little smaller. Then they added Inazuma, which is like a Japan. So that, that's got like five different islands that are all pretty good sized. Uh, they added a um, like a mountain called Dragonspine kind of between Mondstadt and Liyue, which is like its own crazy thing. Um, there's the chasm is like a big mining pit. And then there's Enconomia, which is this weird under, it's like this weird extra underground realm or something. It's kind of hard to explain. All these, all these places are like, can take, you know, hours to explore. It's really cool. Wow. It's very, very, I mean, it's as very open world as they come to, you know, like you can, you can attack those spaces like kind of in the order that you want to, you know, unlock teleport mm-hmm. points, uh, unlock all the chests and secrets. Every, every area does have quests, either side quests or like a fairly major quest line. Um, so there's always lots to do, lots to explore. So is, is it systemic in the way like Breath of the Wild is where like you Less can so. cause weird shit to happen due to like fire arrows or like metal things? It's and... very, since it's, uh, I would, I would call this a very like, Asian gameplay style, like game design style, it's very elemental based. You know, you know how like JRPGs are always like fire beats ice and ice beats whatever. You mm-hmm. know, it's like Pokemon, it's like Final Fantasy and everything. So it's very much that. Uh, so there's less physics. It's a little physicsy, but like not as strongly physicsy as Breath of the Wild. Um, there's an interesting emergence in terms of your characters' abilities kind of synergizing with each other, but you know, the community very quickly dials down to like the most meta combinations yeah you know what i mean Mm. um sounds terrible usually it boils down to (laughs) to melting enemies real fast with elemental combinations yeah like if something like had fire touch it right it's it's kind of like a it's like tokens right so like if you do a fire ability on a thing it gets a little fire icon above it and then if you do another elemental skill on it 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 could interact with the fire so like water and fire together make a vaporize effect that does like extra damage uh electricity and fire do like a overload effect which is like an explosion and actually like knocks them down and does damage so mm-hmm. there's a bunch of those little effects like so okay. chaining one element to the other is very beneficial usually so they don't make any sense but you just need to know them they make some sense water how plus... does electric plus fire make an explosion because it's so much freaking damaging energy clearly what? I don't know. <laughs> what you just said doesn't make any sense in reality. <laughs> it's overloaded. They get overloaded. It's an electrical fire. They're so dangerous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if uh, if there's like a water effect on a thing and an ice effect, they, they, it literally freezes them and stuns them, which is a really powerful one. And then if you're using a great sword uh, against something frozen, it does extra damage to that. So you have a character with ice powers and a great sword, and you combine them with water, you get, again, melting your enemies really freaking fast <laughs> see that that's like <laughs> that kind of stuff like it, it's cool but it's like it it doesn't make any goddamn sense and it doesn't like fit together in like a very like logical way whereas like you know like breath of the wild like their systems make sense and you yeah, can like breath of the wild is more elegant than genshin you can put, I, I agree you can like you can think your way through a situation, whereas this is like you can think your way through a situation if you know the combinations and how they all interact in their own unique ways. It's kind of like Pokemon in that sense. Like mm-hmm. Pokemon, like you win that game by knowing every single thing and how they all interact together. And do they make sense? No, because there's things like a ghost type. What does that mean? I don't fucking know, but ghost and poison, oh boy. You know, like <laughs> Like I said, very Asian style of like yeah. like elemental combination is like a primary gameplay component. It seems like that has I mean that has probably I feel like it could have potential for more emergent gameplay if you were smart about it. 
I don't, I don't have to think about that a little bit. Wouldn't it be cool? Like Genshin has things in the environment where like, you know, you need a character of a specific elemental type to like interact with it. But it's usually about as interesting as like, you have to light all the geo torches with a geo power mm -hmm. or, oh, these are fire torches. You gotta, you gotta use a fire power on those torches because it's fire. <laughs> right, oh, you, yeah. lit, you lit up three of them. Boom, a chest. It, it's like, it's all like very arbitrary. It's not like actually systems driven. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not quite. It's not quite. Unless there, you yeah. consider like <laughs> bespoke torches a system. Right. <laughs> or like a bespoke rock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, elemental systems are like at the end of the day, not terribly interesting from an emergence perspective. It's all just yeah. sort of like, you know, this has an arbitrary tag and it, you know, it's strong against this tag and weak against this tag. Like that, that's about as much depth as you're ever going to get from it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you could do th interesting things. Like, um, let's say you had like an earth character or whatever, you know, and like their attacks, what it did would like raise up a chunk of earth, you know? Sure. Now um, you've gone beyond it just being a tag though. Now it's affecting the terrain and it's more interesting. Right. And has opportunity for murder. But that's what, that's yes. what I'm saying. Like, sure, sure. Do things. My, my like husband, like my husband can do that. <laughs> right but so, so like you know he makes uh, a pillar appear and actually creates like blockages and i can like climb it and i can do lots of cool stuff with it but then you could have things like when you did that like you rose up a part of the earth and like let's say like you rose up like a cube of earth on the top of that is grass right but if like you're in like a desert area or whatever it's like dead grass you could then like light it on fire or something and then you know like uh, there are ways to like make these things like come together mm -hmm. um but it doesn't seem like that's what they're after. No. Yeah, it seems like the best emergence, emergent gameplay systems come from either physics, like a good physics-based system that then you have interesting things that, that like play with that physics, or you have sort of complicated rule sets, like a, like a card game working together. Mm -hmm. They seem to be the sort of two kings of good emergent gameplay. And they've done the physics for, so maybe, yeah, the next challenge is to do <laughs> an open-world collectible card game. Mm. Or better yet, a collectible card game with physics. <gasps> Perfect. Yes. Well, did we solve? Well, I think we solved it. Did we solve things? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't think we solved anything. <laughs> we found our next game jam game that we may or may not make. Maybe not. RuneScape by Brandon Trombley. <laughs> by Brandon Trombone. <laughs> it's RuneScape 2. Yeah. yeah. No legal implications on that one. Shall we take a break? Yep. Let's take a break. All right. Break. Welcome back. Do you guys want to do... Hey, check this out. Yeah. <laughs> They're just getting okay. more and more aggressive as time goes on. Nice. Hey, Check this out. Fuck out. I can get started. So uh, recently, uh, the last season of Better Call Saul uh, is coming out, probably already out by the time you're hearing this. Um, and as a result, the second to last season of Better Call Saul is available on Netflix. So I'm watching through that, and it is continues to be great. and. I hear that the last season is supposed to be great as well. So check it out if you liked Breaking Bad. I thought that show was over. <laughs> it will be soon. Very, very soon. I only watched part of season one of Breaking Bad. I didn't finish it. We watched two seasons of it and then stopped because I didn't like it. I didn't dislike it. You could introduce Lincoln to it. <laughs> Teach Lincoln how to dissolve bodies in a bathtub. Yeah. Properly. I'll go next. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm going to recommend Severance. It's an Apple Plus TV show, and it's fucking amazing. Um, it's shot really well. It's acted extremely well, and it's written really well. Um, but I think the thing that like really like 
just takes it over the top for me. It's like the um, like set design and stuff, and like the look of the show is very unique. It's very like uh, like control. Like <laughs> everyone who likes that, I'm like, oh, you would like you would like control. <laughs> Play that. Um, it's really it's really good. And I guess the season finale just aired, and everyone said it is fucking incredible. So um i need to finish i'm only on episode four so i need to keep going maybe i'll check it out so that i have um can justify continuing to pay for my apple tv subscription it's really it's it's good (laughs) Uh, i can go next um i'm going to recommend a it is both a card game and a thing you can do online that's related to the card game it's called set I haven't I haven't done this. I haven't recommended this with you guys yet, right? It's a really elegant um pa- like a pattern matching game where uh you have to basically choose sets of 3 cards out of the like 12 that are on the um on the board uh that that um either have matching or different attributes. Uh it, it's a little hard to explain vis- uh uh just by audio. Um, but the cool thing is is that uh to practice it, they have a website and you can play like um kind of like a single player puzzle mode. Where you just identify the sets in the in the um, like in your web browser, uh, so that's at setgame.com and the full the full thing for the the puzzle is setgame.com/set/puzzle. But if you just go to setgame.com, you can kind of click through and find it. Um, really, it's a just a cool game that really, like I said, very elegant, uh, but still ha- you makes you you have to like think and perceive really hard to like find the sets properly. So it kind of like helps like rewire your brain in a cool way. Hmm. Yes. It's a great game to take with you while traveling too. That's just like a fun like puzzle to play with people. I refuse. Okay. <laughs> no one's gonna force you. Someone better. How else am I gonna enjoy new things? <laughs> cool. Uh I'm gonna recommend a YouTube channel called uh Sucker Pinch, which the, the name is completely irrelevant. Um I may have recommended some of this guy's videos before as acquaintance acquaintance of mine named uh Tom Seven. He's like a big computer science guy just does lots of weird random kind of personal project stuff, mostly computer related. Um, the one that is the most popular that maybe people have seen is the one where he teaches an AI how to play NES games by like <laughs> just looking at the memory and just figuring out inputs and stuff. Uh, but his most recent one, which was part of a kind of semi joke academic conference called Sigbovic, where the premises of the research are all nonsense, but the real, the research is real is he made a video in paper about how, how you can turn things into hard drives, like memory storage, such as pinging a bajillion different IP addresses on the internet because that ping can contain some data. So you can just <laughs> ping stuff and have it come back and store that as hard drive and then have it, you know, where you can write a drive and make it look like a hard drive on Linux. <laughs> and there's a couple other ones which I will not spoil, which are even more hilarious. So just a lot of really bizarre YouTube videos about just making computers do bizarre shit. Andy's face indicates to me that he totally gets this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have no idea what the fuck you mean by pinging a bunch of internet things to make a hard drive. That doesn't even, what? The words the, the, don't match up. <laughs> the, ping, the ping protocol has a little data section that you can just put whatever you want into and it'll come back with uh-huh. that data. Okay. So that's that's where the fundamental thing comes from. So, so it's like, like you're filling up a hard drive? No, you're you're pinging, you're you're making these pings that all come back that all have different data associated with them. You're assembling them all together as they come back and then using that as as if it were storage. Oh. So you like write to it by sending the pings out and then you like read it by <laughs> reading the pings back. It's complete that's... nonsense, but it's just a pure proof of concept, <laughs> just bullshit idea. But he turned into a research paper on a half hour YouTube. So video. it's it's a twelve millisecond ish long storage solution. That's what you're saying. Yeah, longer than that. Longer than that. <laughs> Depending on where you're pinging. You can ping Mars, I guess. Yeah. You can uh determine how long you want the data to live by pinging closer or further away locations. There we go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Wow. Great. Um, that was great. This is great. Everything's great. I'm at Abe Miller on Twitter. Where can people find you guys? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at the Brendo. I'm also on Twitter at Heckbringer. And I'm also on Twitter at Radhesion, also soundcloud.com slash adhesion and adhesion.bandcamp.com. 
And all of us together, Team Radmars, can be found on Twitter, at Team Radmars, or radmars.com, or radmars.itch.io. This lovely podcast was basically just made by Andrew Ford. He, he, he does we, record, we recorded it, but he edited it and made the music. You're all deep fakes at this point. Yeah, all, thank it's, God. All, it's just all a mad creation of my own mind. <laughs> You're a deep fake too. You don't realize it. I don't have to exist what anymore. A nightmare. Thank God. <laughs> Great. Just deep fake us. Break it just as good content. <laughs> I do want to actually do this. Like in theory, that is possible. Make an episode like that. Yeah. Someday it will happen. Can't wait. One day we will all be robots. <laughs> Great. Um, well, that's it. We did it. Um, thanks for listening, everybody, and thank you guys for being here. Yay. All right. Woo. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Because we're doing this like two weeks apart, it's like my brain just completely forgets, forgets how to stuff. podcast. Yeah, it's like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck comes next? I don't know. <laughs> just put my head in a pizza oven. Just gonna make up face pizza. Delicious, delicious Andy pizza. Andy pop pie. I thought you were into pizza horse pizza. Porky pop pie, porky pop pie, vanilla soup. Another scoop, please. Maybe I will, maybe I will, maybe I won't. The tutti fruit. Is this real? And fruity blue cheese. Is this happening? What is happening right now? It's a it's a song by Neil Diamond. Real? Oh. Alright. I'll be I guess I believe you. Well my dad used I, to have the record of it and we'd listen to it and I was like, this is fucking absurd. It's very wholesome silly, isn't it? Yes. It was actually about sex. <laughs> <laughs>